Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. And that was the first time ever in my life where I was like, you know what? None of that other stuff mattered. You know, the things I thought mattered, you know, really cool clothes, going to clubs, just, you know, impressing other people. That wasn't it. What makes me happy is nature, animals, seeing new places, eating different food, you know, the variety of life and getting to know cultures. And ever since I found that, I was like, you know what, this is what I want. The reason why I go to these random places is because this is the one life we have to live. And there was a huge chance I never would have experienced it. But because I was lucky and fortunate enough to have found it, I don't want to give it up. is The Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. My guest today is Johnny F. D. If you missed the first interview with Johnny, it is episode six of The Maverick Show. Definitely encourage you to check that one out. We are back in the studio today. If you missed Johnny the first time, you haven't experienced him, Johnny is a location-independent entrepreneur who quit his corporate job in 2008 to begin traveling the world, working as a scuba diving instructor and fighting professionally in the support of Muay Thai kickboxing. Since then, he has made hundreds of thousands of dollars online building and selling online businesses and has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Fast Company, Entrepreneur Magazine, and the BBC. He is the author of two books about his experiences, and he is also the host of two very popular podcasts, Travel Like a Boss and Invest Like a Boss. He is also the founder of the Nomad Summit, an annual event in Chiang Mai, Thailand that attracts over 400 location-independent entrepreneurs and digital nomads from around the world. Since the last episode that we did, Johnny has actually expanded the Nomad Summit, so it now takes place in two different locations around the world twice a year. In 2016, Johnny made $325,000 online and subsequently has refined up to a dozen streams of passive income. And over the last year, he has been living off passive income and using that to finance his lifestyle and his world travel, which we're going to get into today. Johnny, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Matt. And that was definitely the best intro anyone's ever given me. It's like my life is flashing back just listening to that. That's awesome, man. It's so good to have you back, man. Always love having you in the studio. I feel like we need to start. There's so much that's happened since the last time we did this interview, but I want to start with some of your travel experiences. You do one of the best travel blogs out there, and I love following your travels and your adventures and your experiences. And maybe we can just start with one of your recent ones, which is also one of my favorite places, and talk a little bit about your trip to Sri Lanka. I know it was your first time there, and it's a place that's really near and dear and close to my heart. One of my uh, very, very close friends, Nilanka, who is a Sri Lankan friend of mine, I was just meeting with him in uh, Washington, D.C., and he listened to every episode of The Maverick Show. And I said, man, how do you like it? You know, what do you think about the show? And he said, oh, man, you know, I I like all this stuff about the show. There's only one thing. 
You ask your guests, what are their favorite travel destinations? And up until now, nobody has said Sri Lanka. And I said, man, I assure you, that is only a matter of time until somebody does. And so after I saw your uh, your travel videos and everything from there, I wanted to open up the episode, give a shout out to Sri Lanka, and uh, just get your take on how Sri Lanka was for you. Yeah, I loved it. And Lonely Planet just named it the top destination in the world to travel to in 2019. So I'm sure because of that, because of travel blogs like mine, uh, people going there and exploring and f- finding out how cool it is and how underrated Sri Lanka is as a travel destination. It's going to be the next Bali. Hopefully, it won't get become the next Bali in terms of just being overcrowded and expensive. But I think because it's a bit further away from like Australia, it's a bit harder to get to. It's always going to remain very pristine, very beautiful, and we're really lucky to have it. So tell us a little bit about what you found there, what you experienced there. I don't know if you had any specific expectations going in, but you went there for a while. You really traveled around and explored the country. So what kinds of stuff did you do there and, and what experience did you have? Yeah, so I just spent three weeks there and... I, my original plan was to kind of hit up all the tourist spots and then decide, you know, if I wanted to come back again in the future. I, I like doing that, you know, when I go to a new country, just, you know, check out each place for a few days and see what I like and try to find a nomad hub. So somewhere I can just, you know, set down some roots and, you know, maybe even spend a, a month or two there. But what happened was I fell in love with this little beach town called Weligama, which was my like third stop. And the first two were more kind of touristy beaches. Uh, surprisingly, Sri Lanka is already really popular with Russian travelers. Uh, I think people from some other countries, but it's there's like there's no Americans there. It's there's no digital nomads there. There's no English speaking nomads that were travelers there. It's a hidden gem for people from like Ukraine or Russia where they have direct flights. They go there for two or three months during the winter. And they, they literally call it wintering because it's freezing in Russia or Ukraine during January, February, March. But in Sri Lanka, the weather is perfect. Life is so cheap there. I mean, the, the travels I've been through in Thailand or in Cambodia, and it's cheap, right? Like, you know, we always talk about how affordable everything is. In Sri Lanka, it was a new world. I have never been anywhere that was this fun and this awesome and this safe where you can get an amazing meal for $3. You can get a local lunch for 75 cents. It's insane. That is awesome, man. And there's so much that has to offer. I mean, I can just remember that, you know, the beaches were totally gorgeous and incredible. But then you go up to a city like Candy and you go to the Temple of the Sacred Tooth and you're just, you know, you're seeing all, I mean, it was just, I was blown away by Sri Lanka. I mean, I just felt that it offered so, so much. Well, the coolest thing about Sri Lanka is in one country, you can experience different types of beaches. So you have pro surf beaches, you have beginner surf beaches, you have snorkeling beaches, you have scuba diving, you have different water sports. You also have the mountains and the temples, but you also have things like safaris. They say that Sri Lanka has the best safaris outside of Africa. And they're right. I mean, and they're by far the cheapest. I mean, if you're going to go to a safari in Africa, you're going to spend thousands of dollars. In Sri Lanka, for less than a hundred bucks, you can rent a Jeep, you know, get access to the safari park and you can see wild elephants, like herds of wild elephants. And you have a chance of seeing things like leopards. When I went, I saw crocodiles, wild peacocks, you know, hawks, just like really just cool animals that I never would have expected. And I can't believe how cheap the whole adventure was. And it was just, it was really nice. Yeah. It's such an amazing value proposition. I know one of the things that you do as well, Johnny, is you look for those value proposition locations where you have a really optimal quality of life to cost of living ratio. We can get an amazing experience for an incredible price. And in addition to Sri Lanka, I know you've been to a couple other places. The first one I want to ask you about actually just staying in the South Asia region is that you went trekking in Nepal, right? How was that? Yeah, Nepal is also one of those kind of underrated travel places. I mean, look, I, I've been to Bali, I've been to Indonesia, I've been you know all over Thailand, and I look at I like those places, right? They look great in, in photos. Tons of people go there for a reason. But places like Nepal and Sri Lanka are just underrated. You know, just like not that many people are going there. They're a bit harder to get to. They feel a bit more gritty. So, you know, things aren't as clean or as easy. But to me, it's so rewarding. You know, it's so much fun to kind of tread your own path. And I love value. It's just like, if something just makes me happy. You know, if I spend $300 on a five-star hotel, 
I would expect a $300 five-star hotel and it's really nice, but if any little thing is, you know, is misplaced or wrong, then you're kind of disappointed. You know, same thing as flying business class. If you're spending four grand flying business class, you're like, oh man, I expect it to be really nice. But at the same time, it's not necessarily good value. But if you find a, if you find a country or a place where, you know, for 30 bucks, you can get some amazing experience, you know, for you know, $3, you can get some incredible food that you would never find anywhere else. You're just like, wow, I can do this every day for the rest of my life. And I can just work online. I can travel and I can invite my friends and my family Everybody can do this. This is attainable for everybody. And that makes me so happy. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you've identified some incredible places in uh, Eastern Europe as well, similar type of criteria that you look for. And I actually just about two weeks ago was in Bonsko, Bulgaria. One of the things that turned me on to that location was the blog, you know, and the video footage that you did about that. But can you talk a little bit about uh, Bonsko and what that was like for you? Yeah. So after the Novi Cruise last year, I wanted a place where I can just chill and work that was in Europe, but not in the Schengen zone. Because as Americans, we only get six, you know, three months every six months. So it's really not that much time if you want to spend the whole summer and, you know, and, and be a nomad. So I decided, hey, let's go check out Bansko Bulgaria. I've heard a lot of things about the co-working space there, the community. And let's, let's see if it lives up to the hype. And at the time, you know, not that many people were writing about it. I don't, I don't think I saw a video really about it. I just had heard through a few friends who had been a been to co-working Bonsko. I had met one of the founders, Matthias, in Chiang Mai. And I was like, okay, let's check it out. And I spent, I think, one or two months there. And it was just like a, a really peaceful, nice place. You know, super cheap as well. Bulgaria is the probably the cheapest country in the EU, but it's still part of the EU. So it's safe, has good infrastructure, and the food is amazing. And the co-working space is actually really nice. It's a really nice community. You know, Bonsko, I would say, is one of those places that you can go in the winter to ski or snowboard, or you can go in the summer to hike and you know enjoy like spas and kind of just nature. And it's another underrated place. I mean, everyone talks about like going to Berlin or Barcelona, and they're nice, but for four times the price, you know, you have to either work four times as much, or you're saving four times less money for your future your investments. Is it is it worth it? And for me, I would much rather go to a place like Bonsko and spend two months. You know, versus going to Paris or you know, or Rome or Barcelona and spend two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the other place that you've really that you've spent time in and that you've written about a lot that I have not yet been to. So this, is, when you go to a place and you do this, it moves up my list very fast. Is is Ukraine? I have not yet been there, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what is Ukraine like. Yeah, so Ukraine is another kind of unexplored place. You know, it's probably the least visited country in Europe. You know, it's the former USSR. There still isn't that much tourism. People don't really speak that much English there. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. I don't recommend it for like first-time travelers, especially if you want kind of like an easy setup. But something in me just likes this exploration. I like being, you know, not necessarily the first, but you know, one of the first to go somewhere, explore, find new places, and then be able to share this, you know, with my blog readers on johnnyft.com or podcast listeners. And it's fun, right? And also being early allows me to find things in, that haven't really been written about yet and be able to, you know, create these videos and travel guides and kind of just like really introduce digital nomads to new places. I mean, when I first started writing about Chiang Mai in 2013, Nobody else was really writing about it as a digital nomad destination. And that's why, you know, so many people have found it. And now that thousands of people go to Chiang Mai every winter, you know, especially for the Nomad Summit every January, I feel like, you know, maybe I should find some other cool places to send people. Ukraine has a lot of potential, but right now it is so early. It is, I mean, language-wise, it is very difficult. And the only reason why I'm going to go back again this summer is I actually really want to learn how to speak Russian. And in basically the entire eastern half of Ukraine, Russian is the primary spoken language still. So it's going to be a a good, cheap place for me to, to have roots for a few months, take some language classes, eat some really good food, and just have a ton of fun enjoy the summer and get out of there before it gets cold again. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, and speaking of really good value destinations too, I mean, relative on a, on a continuum and on a scale, but I feel like right now we're actually doing this interview in Lisbon, Portugal, which is obviously not as cheap as Bulgaria or Ukraine or those kind of places. But in terms of Western European capital cities, I feel that this 
is probably for me the best value destination in Western Europe. Yeah, definitely a hundred percent. And I actually think I wrote that on my blog post about Lisbon when I was here a few years ago. I think I I used the words, this is the better, cheaper Barcelona. And I'm sure it's gonna piss off some people, but it is. I mean, the weather is just as good, if not better. We have a beautiful ocean where you can surf. You have really good food. I prefer the food the in Portugal than I do in Spain. Like even the olives taste better. You know the span. You know the wine is great. the The food is good, and it's so much cheaper than Barcelona or you know Paris. But the quality is amazing. It's a beautiful place, and there's so much to do, and people are friendly. It's just a, it, I think it's the most underrated place in Western Europe for sure. It is. And you can still get such an authentic experience here. Like last night I was in the Alfama uh, district, right? Which is this sort of the old city part of Lisbon listening to Fado music. And you can go and do that. And for people that don't know, Fado is like these really amazing, dramatic Portuguese ballads. And the way that it works is you go to these Fado bars, basically, in the Alfama, which is like these narrow cobblestone alleyways up and down stairs. And they have these bars. And you go in, and it's just, they're totally packed, right? So you usually have to wait to get in. Then you get a seat, and you're in this small, intimate, packed bar. And it's just filled with people that will get up one at a time and sing these amazing Portuguese ballads. And you're just sitting there, you know, drinking wine. So it's not really even so much like a show. It's not like a stage. It's like people just, you know, at your table or the table next to you or the table across there, they just get up and they sing these ballads and they sit back down and somebody else gets up and it's you're drinking wine. And it's just like, you know, is this like a throwback to some, you know, you're like, where am I? I mean, it's just an unbelievable culturally authentic experience which I just did that last night and I try to do that every time I come to Lisbon because it's just so amazing. Yeah, and you know, aside from just the Faro bars, it feels like you had this experience in all of Portugal and even in the capital city of Lisbon all the time. Like, you know, having lunch, even at... I went to a place yesterday after the a walking tour. We went on one with a girl named Elena Bika Travels. Really good guide, super passionate, really wanted to show us her city. And afterwards, she says, oh, let's, if you want, you can join me for lunch. And we were on this really busy street where they had these menus in like seven different languages. And I, I normally would never go in that because if you go into one of those restaurants in Barcelona and Italy, you're going to get ripped off. You're going to pay way too much. The food's going to be crap. It's not going to be authentic. It's just going to be a tourist trap. But, you know, I trusted her. I was like, all right, let's do it. Sat down and the food was really reasonable. I think it was like maybe $8 for any any fish dish. And I, honestly, I, I really thought I was going to eat and then want to go have a sandwich again afterwards. And she says, no, trust me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of food. And the portions were gigantic. I can barely finish my dish. These three girls that we were with, they had ordered a seafood platter for two. And the, it was so much food that the four of us could have easily split it. And it was just incredible. You know, the service was good. It was authentic. It was just tasty. It was cheap. It was just like, you know, and this was a tourist street. When you go off the beaten path, it's even cheaper. It's even more local. It's even more authentic. But Lisbon is one of the few places in the world where it's hard to go wrong. It is. And I think the most underrated wines in Europe as well. I mean, you know, Portuguese wines don't get nearly the international billing of French wines or Italian wines or Spanish wines or things like that. But I think they're absolutely on par and some of the best value if you're going to buy wine as well. Yeah. And, you know, even just like the house wine is one euro a cup you know, a glass, like, and you can get like a liter at a restaurant for, I think like four euros or five euros. It's insane. So good. So amazing. So, all right, Johnny, I want to transition now and talk a little bit about your income generation and how you're financing this lifestyle. And I think where I want to start is just basically in terms of your work strategy, your product's Activity strategy, sort of your work cadence and how you structure your lifestyle. And then from there, we'll go deeper into the specific streams of passive income. But can you basically just talk about, you know, over the last few years, how you've structured your work and travel lifestyle? Yeah. So from 2008 to 2013, I had moved to Thailand, but I was working as a scuba diving instructor as a Muay Thai fighter, and I wasn't getting paid very much. It was literally a couple hundred bucks a month. I think I never made more than 600 bucks, but it was enough to live. It was enough to live in, in, in Thailand very cheaply. You know, I was living in bamboo huts. I was, you know, eating local Thai food. You know, I was sleeping in the attic <laughs> above the Muay Thai gym or on the dive boat sometimes. 
But I loved it. It was really enjoyable. You know, and that's when I wrote the book, 12 Weeks in Thailand, The Good Life and the Cheap, to document it, but also to hopefully kind of share what it's like to be able to just quit your job and, and travel around. Unfortunately, after about four or five years of doing that, it was enough. It was, you know, maybe not even unfortunately, it was a nice chapter in my life. I'm really happy I did it. And I, I think I encourage everyone to do that first if that's what they want. But in 2013, I decided, hey, I'm turning 30. I want to have a normal life. I want to start making money again so I can afford to go home once in a while and, and see my parents and travel to more expensive places, like maybe Europe for the summer. And that's when I really got into online business. You know, I had published that book. Then I had started an e-commerce store, dropshipping store. And I started making, you know, normal money, you know, $3,000 to $5,000 a month. You know, basically what I made back in California but what was awesome about it was I was able to do that from Thailand. I was able to do that while traveling in Vietnam. And I decided this is the life I want. I was working a lot at the time. I was you know, really focused on business. I was working 40 to 60 hours a week, growing the businesses, starting new stores, starting other online streams of income. And I'm really glad I did it while maintaining my frugality. I was originally living for 600 bucks a month when I started just to bootstrap it all. And even... At my peak, when I was making 30 grand a month in profit, that one year in 2016, I made $325,000 take home, which was insane still. Like, I, I still can't, you know, imagine that, but it was from, you know, having two dropshipping stores, having two books, having a bunch of courses on Udemy, having a bunch of different blogs and email lists, and just like really scaling it up. And I'm really, really fortunate that I had also started investing that that time. So instead of squandering it and blowing the money, popping champagne and staying in expensive penthouses and you know buying a car, buying a house or something, I doubled my living budget from 600 to 1,200 bucks a month, which you know was a significant improvement for me. I was you know happier. I was able to do a little bit more, but I was still able to save like 90% of my income. And I started investing all that and buying passive income streams. So a lot of people you know, talk about building passive income streams, but the easiest, fastest, kind of uh, most hands-off way is to buy either like you know, rental property through things like the turnkey properties that, that you guys offer or real estate funds or index funds for stocks or all these different alternative investment strategies that we talk about in Invest Like a Boss and be able to basically create a truly passive income life where it allows me to travel even more. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I want to ask you to go a little bit deeper on the passive income stuff. And maybe let's just start. A lot of people hear this term and it's really a buzzword that's thrown around a lot. And I want to see if you can just start by clarifying what is passive income and what are some of the myths about passive income that are get thrown around out there? Yeah. So passive income is basically any money that you earn from something that you did in the past and you're not you know, currently working on or, or spending a lot of time to maintain. A couple of good examples is like if you publish a book, you know, it takes a lot of time at some point to write the book, to publish it, to market it. But once the book is out, you don't really have to do any more work, you know, especially with Amazon shipping books for you, prompting users to leave a review. If it's a good book, people tell their friends and it just keeps spreading. Now, I think some of the kind of myths that people have, usually it's either people think, oh, it's going to be really easy. Like, oh, I'm just going to do this overnight. I'm, just, I'm not going to do any work at all. I'm just going to suddenly make all this money. You know, that doesn't work, right? You know, it, you have to put in some work. You have to put in some effort and create a good product. I mean, I guess technically anyone can publish a crappy book really quickly, right? But is that going to continue? And you, maybe you can trick some people to buying it the first day kind of with hype. But is that going to be true passive income for, for the next four years? Probably not if it's not a good book. But if you really put in you know, two or three months of solid effort and, and create a good product and create the funnels and automation kind of around it, you know, something as simple as a way to ask people who bought the book to leave a review and having that automated or having auto emails sent out saying, if you liked this book, check out my second book. Uh, you know, here's a link to buy it. Things like this can be automated and you know, turned into true passive income. So on one side, you have people who think it's too easy, too fast. And the other people who think it's not possible at all, they're both wrong. I mean, it, it, passive income is real, and but passive income takes some real work at some point. And it allows you to put in the work over a few months and then be able to enjoy that benefit for years to come. Let's talk about some of the specific passive income generating 
assets that you have built and bootstrapped from scratch. And when you're talking about them, maybe also talk about your work productivity regimen and how you, you know, when you get into that mode where you decide you're going to build a really high quality income generating business asset, what types of assets have those been that you've done and, and what kind of work productivity routine do you have that allows you to execute and, and build those? Yeah. So I've always really enjoyed working really hard and passionately for one to two months at a time and then taking one or two months as kind of maintenance mode where I can just travel and and chill out a little bit. So I've now created over a dozen different passive income streams, starting with the books. But then actually, I would say my first other passive income stream was a course on Udemy. And it was a course I created with my girlfriend at the time called Small Talk Network. We had taken everything that we had learned from her doing a psychology degree, you know, from me reading different books on personal development. And we created just a cheap, easy online course on Udemy about the basics of small talk. It took us about two months to, to put it together, to film it, to edit it, to upload it, to market it in the beginning. And then that has now been selling for the last five years. And in total, that course alone has earned us $11,000. You know, we split that 50-50. But if you think about it, that was just one or you know, maybe two months of work five years ago that continues to make us money now because we put in the work. It was a good course. At, at a few different points, we set up automation, like asking for reviews. Udemy does all the work of selling it and marketing it for us, collecting reviews, kind of getting us new students. And now we've created other courses too, both together and separately. So on Udemy's platform, I've now made a total of over $20,000 in net profit in my pocket for something that I would spend one or two months putting together and then not thinking about touching for years after. And can you talk a little bit about you know when you are in that grind mode, that business building mode and you're cranking on that stuff. How do you structure your day? Do you have morning routines? What does your schedule look like? Do you you know integrate fitness routines? What does that look like when you're in that mode for you? Yeah, that's actually a great question that people don't talk about enough, right? Because a lot of times people meet me and they're like, okay, Johnny does very well. Let me model what he's doing. And they'll see me out drinking sangria all night. I literally had a liter of sangria last night. I slept in until about 10 a.m., had a huge breakfast, you know, came over here to hang out with you. You know, I haven't done any work, right? And, you know, tonight I'm meeting up uh, my buddy Shannon for dinner. And this week I'm just going to travel and like study languages. You can't look at what someone's doing today to, you know, really kind of figure out what it took to get there. So even though the next time I'll create a new project, I'll get back into the routine. When I'm in maintenance mode, I'm in travel mode. That's, you know, really an easy life, right? I'll work out when I want, wake up when I want, work when I want. When I'm building these businesses and when I was in that cash flow generating mode back in 2013, 14, 15, 16, my daily routine would be wake up 8 to 8.30 a.m. I would wake up with the sun. It's immediately I would jump up, go outside and get some fresh air. I wouldn't even look at my phone until I left the house. I would drink a big glass of water with some pink honey and sea salt to kind of boost start the energy. I would walk to the co-working space and I actually had set up my my life where I would move apartments closer to where I wanted to be every day. So I, I physically rented an apartment within a five-minute walk of the co-working space just so I didn't have any excuses of getting lazy, having to deal with transportation. And that walk in the morning was just really nice and it kind of boost starts the energy. Get to the co-working space and I would make bulletproof coffee. And that way I could start fasting. I had you know energy and clarity all day and I wouldn't get the brain fog. I would work in 30-minute batches, kind of with the to-do list of what I needed to do that day. I would use apps like WorkRave or Timeout. And every 30 minutes, I would lock my screen. I would get up, go outside, and do 10 push-ups or 10 air squats, come back, work again. And I would do that in chunks until 4 p.m. Then I would go to the gym. I was doing CrossFit at the time, and I did it five days a week. I was in the best shape of my life. I had so much energy, so much mental clarity. I didn't eat a single carb or drink a single ounce of alcohol for in that entire year, and it paid off. I wrote about it in Life Changes Quick. I really went to details about how that routine, that mindset had helped me go from you know my first $1,000 to having $30,000 saved up in the bank and you know, starting my my journey there. You know How the fitness, the routine really set up success in business. So that is what you guys need to do if you are starting on you're like, okay, I want to build my business, not jump straight into the 
leaders of Sangria. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's really, really significant. I appreciate you going into that much detail. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the other streams of income that you've been able to develop as well. I know you do a lot of affiliate marketing, and affiliate marketing is a, a space where I think there's also different types of misconceptions about exactly how to do that and how to do it successfully. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you do and then tips that you have for doing it well. Yeah. So with affiliate marketing, there's so many different ways to do it. Usually when people hear about it, they hear of a term called like cost per action affiliate marketing where they're buying ads or you know, sending people to, to you know, random offers. But the type of affiliate marketing I do is really simple. I find products that I personally use and I've bought myself or I recommend it. I'll sign up as an affiliate. And then I'll create a review or some kind of reason for people to use my link. So, for example, when I was looking for the best USB microphone to travel with, because I do a podcast, I record videos, I bought all of them. I bought the Blue Yeti, the Audio-Technica mics, the small kind of micro mics, just like so, I like I wasted so much money, but at the same time, I really wanted to find the best microphone, and it was hard to find a good, honest review out there. So I bought them all, and then I actually created a video talking into each mic so people can hear it for themselves. I wrote a blog post about it. Then I had links to each of the mics on Amazon. And I said, hey, if you buy these mics, use my link, and that way I can get credit for referring you. That's an affiliate link. Amazon will pay me between 7 and 8% of that sale if you buy that microphone or actually any other product during that day through my link. And I, you know, it obviously it would take a while to put together the blog post and the video, but now that video or that blog post has sells a couple mics every single month for the last four years. And that's kind of a, a good, easy example of affiliate marketing. Yeah, I really like that approach. Um, and I've started taking that approach myself because I did the same thing that you did, right? In terms of really heavily researching, just as one example, podcasting equipment, right? And when people hear the Maverick show, one of the comments people give it to me is, wow, your audio sounds amazing. That's incredibly well produced. Like the editing in your show is good. The, we like the intro of your show. Like your cover art is nice. Like whatever it is, they'll compliment me on that stuff. And so I said, well, you know, I did spend a ton of time figuring out how to get the best in each category, find the best vendor, the best uh, equipment, the best everything. And so what I did on the maverickshow.com website is I just simply put a behind the scenes page up and I said, here's how I produce every single episode of the Maverick Show. This is the vendor that made our cover art. This is the vendor that edits our podcast. This is the equipment that I use. You know, this is how I do every single thing I do if you want to use all the same stuff. And a lot of those vendors have affiliate links, which I've included there. And so exactly what you said, the only stuff that's up there is the stuff that I use and that I believe in personally, and I'm sharing it with people. And of course, if they click through the link, then, you know, I'll make something on that, but they don't have to pay anything extra. You know what I mean? And so they're they're happy to, to do that because you or I or somebody took the time to make the recommendation to share what we're using. And they already know they like what we're using because they complimented us on it in the first place. So then they could just go and buy it and it's a way to get compensation. So I like that model a lot. Yeah, I really love it. And I've now done that, not just with the you know physical items that I've ordered, but I've done that with software I use, like my favorite VPN, you know, my favorite WordPress hosting platform, my favorite e-commerce hosting platform, the online courses I've personally taken to learn how to to you know, uh, do things like create a job shipping store or you know, create an online course. And if I've liked the product enough to pay for it myself and use it and I've gotten value from it, yeah, of course I'm going to share that. And the nice thing is with this affiliate model is even if I never got paid for it, I'd probably recommend it to somebody if they asked. But would I spend four hours creating a blog post and a video explaining exactly the pros and cons and how to do it and how I learned about it? No, I probably wouldn't have time for that. So it's really a nice way where someone can get a really good guide or recommendation and then not have to pay any extra. And, you know, it's actually people will message me all the time on Facebook saying, hey, do you have an affiliate link for XYZ product or course? Because I want to give you credit you know, because you, you mentioned it somewhere. And if I do, I'll send it to them and say, yeah, you know, thanks. And this has been one of the best models out there. You know, I think some people kind of take advantage of it by saying, oh, well, what if I just don't buy the mic and I just, you know, make up, you know, these reviews or I look some specs online. And a lot of people do that. You know, and that's why affiliate marketing sometimes has a bad name. People are just like, oh, I'm going to recommend the five most expensive ones, <laughs> right? Without ever using it themselves. But this is why followers of the Maverick Show or the Travel Like a Boss podcast and Johnny FD, they come back time after time for years and years is because they 
I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Know if I'm going to recommend something that it's something that actually works and they're going to get value from. I want to also talk to you about the content creation that you do and the way that you monetize your YouTube channel and the way that you monetize your blog. And one of the things I think is so important that you demonstrate, I think, really, really well is the importance of having incredibly high quality substantive content and the ability for that to build audience as part of this whole equation. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that, the blog and the YouTube channel, what you do, how you monetize it, and tips that you have for people for what are the keys to doing that well. So key number one is just enjoy doing it, right? If I didn't enjoy blogging or creating YouTube videos, I wouldn't do it. I would just do something else. And I think when people try to force themselves to do something they hate doing, it's going to take 10 times longer and they're going to make it, the quality's not going to be good. When people... Look, you know, go to johnnyft.com and they read my blog posts about like Nepal or about Lisbon. Sometimes I don't even have any links in there because there's nothing to sell. If there is something I can get credit for, refer, like if I can refer someone to a tour that I did and I can get 10% or 20% for sending them, I'll happily include that link. But if I did a free walking tour with, you know, like Elena Beku, who doesn't have a program, I'll still recommend her even just because it's a good product. And I think that's a, a big secret is when I create blog posts or create a video, I will share what I want to share, just like I would to a friend or a family member. And in fact, that's the main reason why I do it is because I hate repeating myself all the time. People ask me like, oh, Johnny, I'm coming to Chiang Mai, I'm coming to Thailand. Can you give me some recommendations? And it's spent hours telling them over instant messenger and i decided like hey i'm just gonna write a blog post send them that link and say if you have any other questions ask me and normally they just respond back like oh that was amazing that was that was everything i wanted to know that's awesome that's awesome so let me ask you this with all of the different streams that you have set up and all the different things that you do if somebody is trying to get into the game and to start building these income generating assets i feel like one of the challenges that i see people run into is a sort of shiny object syndrome somebody's really successful you know doing this blog and somebody's really successful doing this youtube channel and somebody's really successful doing the drop shipping and somebody's really successful writing this book or making this course and of course somebody's successful at everything and so when somebody goes into it on the one hand they see your end vision as what they'd like i'd like to have 12 separate streams of passive income that are generating to me every single month but I feel like one of the challenges people run into is that shiny object syndrome and sort of diffusing their energy too sparsely. So they're not doing any one thing well enough. And I just want to ask you for how do you sort of advise people to approach the building multiple streams, but yet not diffusing themselves too widely so that they don't do any of them successfully? So even though it's nice to have multiple streams of income, I honestly only did it for for two reasons. One is I'm generally just like excited and curious to do new things. And luckily, I was smart enough to finish one before starting another. I think that's the biggest problem people have. They kind of start doing something and then they don't monetize it. For me, my goal was, okay, I'll spend two or three months creating something. I'll automate it as much as I can, kind of 80-20 rule it. And as long as it's making money automatically, then I'll move on to the next thing. I won't do it kind of in the middle, right? But the other part was actually honestly out of fear. And I was like, oh, what if my book stops selling? Or what if Udemy shuts down? Or what if this? So that's why I kept creating different ones to kind of uh, diversify. But what I've realized is at the same time, there's downsides to that where I could have made a lot more from each stream if I had focused on it and not had all these things to juggle and deal with. So what I would recommend to people is to start with one thing and 
get it to you know 99% good. It doesn't have to be perfect, but have it set up, making money, automate it as much as you can, grow it as much as you can, and then decide, okay, do I want to just do this again? Do I want to scale this one up or do I want to move on to something else? Yeah, and you and I are both podcasters, which is another potential income stream. And I want to ask you about that for people that want to get into the podcasting game. Uh, you've been into it a lot longer than I have. You're really well-established and well-known in the space. And I want to ask you just about podcasting in general. What tips do you have for what really makes a great podcast? What are the keys that people should really focus on to make an amazing podcast? So it's such a hard question because for me, I really love doing both the Travel Like a Boss and Invest Like a Boss podcast, but it's not set up in the best way to make money. If I just wanted to make money, I would create some kind of sketch show. I'd have a ton of guests, kind of short episodes that you know, kind of are more for entertainment than really learning. And that actually makes it really easy to produce a kind of top-ranking show because you have a good system, you have a good formulation, you have you know your guests actually marketing your show for you. You know, you have a built-in revenue model because a lot of times the guests are actually paying you to be on the show you know, just to get get that exposure. You know, the guests are the ones doing a lot of the work. But for me, I would be bored out of my mind if I had to interview people I didn't care about and ask them the same stupid eight questions and act super excited for every you know guest, even though I didn't really care what they were doing. For me, the podcast we do, I really enjoy it. And to be honest, we don't make that much money from the show, even though I think if we really focused on kind of more of the entertainment value, we could. For me, both podcasts are a way for me to talk to people I like to talk to anyways, you know, gives me an excuse to sit down with them for an hour, ask them all the questions that I'd want to know. And it helps grow my other businesses. You know, it's a great networking connection and it's just fun. You know, I just something I really, really enjoy doing. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, as listeners of The Maverick Show will know, my, I mean, I'm obviously extremely selective about the guests that come on the show. And most of the interviews are one to two hour long, you know, long form, in-depth, substantive conversations with interesting people. And for me, that's the same thing. I mean, these are people people literally that I would love to be having that 90 minute conversation with anyways. And I would be, and we're just turning the microphones on and letting other people hear it. Yeah. And I think the people that we attract our listeners are people that we'd want to hang out with people we want to network with. And for me, that makes it the best show. However, if you guys want to just make money from the show, do a 20 minute format, 25 minutes max, have a set list of eight questions and just blast them out. So you can have episodes released daily you know you can have seven shows a week about you know xyz can you give johnny a couple examples of the types of guests that you have on travel like a boss for example and some of the things that you've learned from your guests over the years yeah so the the number one thing i've learned is how many different ways there are to make money online like we've literally had you know doctors dentists that created online businesses. We've had jiu-jitsu instructors. We've had people doing all sorts of different like traditional online businesses, outsourced businesses. And I think from what I kind of learned from every single person is there are so many different ways to do the same thing and follow, you know, follow different passions. And that everything kind of in general, it works. It's not that I want to do every single business that we talked about. We've had over 220 guests now on Travel Like a Boss and probably 150 different business models. For me, my path was publishing books, dropshipping, and then online courses. And I'm very happy with that. that that's my, my passion, my love, you know, what works really well for me. I'm 100% sure that it works because I've done it and I've met so many other people who have done it. So I know it'll work for you know someone who wants to get you know into that path. But it's not necessarily what I recommend for everyone. You know, some people already have a skill. You know, if you're already a doctor or a lawyer and you have a skill people are wanting to pay for it, you're like it doesn't make sense for you to spend three months to learn how to start e-commerce when you can just start, you know, create either an online course or create online coaching or, you know, like virtual like calls for things like being a second opinion dentist, which is something I didn't even know existed. It was literally, if you want a non-biased opinion from a dent, like a certified dentist to look at your x-rays and tell you if you actually need a root canal or they're just trying to upsell you root canal, you can call, you know, book an hour slot or a 20 minute slot, pay X amount of money, and then potentially save yourself a lot of pain, a lot of money. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about your income boss course, which I think is the latest course you created and really 
what is in that course? Who is it for? Who is it not for? And what can people find in that course? Yeah, so the course was originally called Earnest Affiliate because I wanted people to learn how to monetize their blog or online brand earnestly through affiliate marketing. The problem was nobody could spell earnest or affiliate, (laughs) including myself sometimes. So I bought the domain incomeboss.com, which took a lot of time and a lot of money. But at the end of the day, it's something that I was kind of really proud of. And the course is basically how to monetize a online brand or blog or you know really any kind of traffic that you have online through the type of affiliate marketing that we do, that we talked about. And it shows all the case studies. So I've shown all my top performing affiliate models, the partnerships, how I uh, sign up as an affiliate, the where I get the traffic from, the top performing blog posts, the top performing reviews. You know, I show how to build the traffic, how to, or at least how I did it, and how other people can do it too. So it's really like a case study course. If someone already has an email list or a website or some kind of online audience, it's something that people can go through, and within a week they can monetize and start, you know, really making money from their own site. Unfortunately, most people don't have a site or lots of traffic yet. So then I had to go in and then create all that from the beginning and say, okay, this is how you start a blog. This is how you start creating traffic. This is how you start getting traffic. This is how you put together good content. So it's now become a really big course. So people really love it, but it's a lot of work. It's not something overnight someone can start making money on. Yeah, I think that's really important because there's so much stuff that's out there where people are selling and marketing things to teach people how to get rich really quick online and do this lifestyle. And like you said, it's the, you show the pictures of traveling and drinking sangria and all this kind of stuff, which you're actually doing. And then there's, there, there's I think, a lot of sort of misrepresentations about exactly how easy it is to get there. So I, I do always appreciate from you, Johnny, that you you come with that, that candor and those disclosures. But I think for people that are serious about it, um, what we're going to do is definitely we're going to link up the Income Boss course link into the show notes at themaverickshow.com. You can just go there. We're also going to put all of the links to Johnny's uh, blogs and YouTube channel and everything where there is an amazing amount of substantive content that's totally free. Uh, so you can definitely check out uh, Johnny's stuff there as well as his podcast and that kind of stuff. So all that will just be in one place at themaverickshow.com. Johnny, I also want to ask you about personal brand building. One of the things that's interesting as I travel around the world is I run into people that have heard of you. They've, they may have never met you. Most of them have never met you, but they know Johnny FD. They know you as a nomad sort of icon. A nom- I've literally had people refer to you as a nomad legend and they've never even met you, but they've heard the podcast. They've read the blog. They've seen you know this kind of stuff and you've really made a substantial impact as, I don't know if you refer to yourself as an influencer or whatever type of term you want to use, but in this particular space, you know, you are, you're, you're a major well-known figure. And I want to just ask you about your strategy for personal brand building and what types of tips or advice you might have on other people for other people. Yeah. So a lot of it comes down to just time, right? I've been traveling and working online after reading the four-hour work week since 2008, which is longer than 99% of people. I have also been blogging very transparently about everything I've been doing ever since the word blog really started existing. I actually had something called a Zanga, you know, before I had my blog spot, you know, like it was, I've just been doing it for a long time. And because I'm so open about everything I'm doing, it's allowed people to connect and follow the journey for so many years. And I think that is really kind of the big secret is sharing openly what you're doing, what is working, what is not working and doing it through channels that you enjoy publishing on. So if I wanted to make more money, I would send more emails, but I I just don't like doing it. You know, I like writing a blog post, a mega blog post once every two weeks because it takes me a long time to put together. I like creating, you know, one or two really long, cool travel videos. I just created a 19-minute video kind of recapping this last Nomad Cruise. It would be better, I guess, in a way, or at least short-term-wise, if I was just kind of more of a flashy Instagram influencer type person. But first, I'm not that good looking, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to just gain a ton of like followers for superficial stuff. The people that follow me is because they trust me, because I've been doing this for so long. I give good, honest recommendations, and because I'm transparent about both the good and the bad. The downside to that is, you know, a lot of times people don't take the time to you know read my book or listen podcasts and they're just like oh they see the photo of me on the beach with the sangria and laptop and they're like oh f this guy you know (laughs) or like oh he does online business yeah it must be a scam or it must be whatever and 
in the beginning, it used to really get to me. And I, this is some advice I want to give everyone who wants to build an online presence is in the beginning, nobody cares you know, what you're doing, what you're saying, because nobody knows who you are. But once you start getting a bit of traffic, 100% of people will hit a point where they're going to get a lot of negativity. And the hard part is everything online kind of gets blown out out of proportion. You have, you know, people who just think it's funny to be a troll or just to be negative. There's people who, you know, they're unhappy in their own lives. So they want to put down others or they just want to say like, okay, well, online business doesn't work because I tried it once for two days and it didn't work for me. So it can't work for you because if it works for you, then that means I'm wrong and I'm a loser. So it's hard to get over that. But at the end of the day, as long as you know you're putting out good, honest work and that you're helping other people and that you're, you know, not that you're going to help every single person succeed because there's just not enough time in the world. But in general, if you're putting out good content that, you know, you're proud of, then just keep going, keep going, keep, keep, keep going at it and realize that you can't please everyone. There's a lot of people who are like, I don't want to travel like you, Johnny. Like, I want to stay in nice hotels only. I only want to fly. I never want to take a train or a bus. You know, I only want to go to big landmarks like the Eiffel Tower. And that's not me. You know, that's not my style. So instead of trying to make them happy, you know, and being someone I'm not, I just do my thing and I talk about it openly. And if people want to follow along, you know, I'm sure there's always going to be enough people that are like, you know what, this type of traveling that Johnny does, this type of business that he does, the kind of the frugality even with it, this is what I want. And this is who I'm going to follow. Yeah, I think that's super important. I mean, the authenticity piece of it is incredibly important. And I think you're right. The extent to which you're authentic and you're you and you're transparent about everything and you just document it all openly and share and show exactly what you do, I think is a huge contributor to the amount of following that you have developed. Let me just ask you about that just in terms of your personal preference with regard to travel. And let me just start off with a very broad question. Just ask you, why do you travel? In general, what do you get out of travel? What does travel mean to you? I think the reason why I travel so much is because I almost got stuck in a world where this wouldn't have been possible. And, and when I say almost, I mean, there was probably a 99% chance I would have continued living in California, working the same job, you know, living in the same kind of square couple of miles, and that would have been it. You know, I would have one vacation per year for one week, usually to Las Vegas, <laughs> And that's it. Right? That would have been my life. And if it wasn't for me really stretching my boundaries and trying to figure out what makes me happy, you know, and making a lot of mistakes on the way, doing a lot of stupid things, I never would have stumbled upon this life, right? Like literally, I think, you know, the way I found the four-hour work week is I was like, okay, I'm unhappy with my life. What could make me happier? Maybe learning how to pick up chicks will make me happy. So I read some self-development books about that. And then I realized, okay, this is a bit stupid. You know, maybe learning how to use pickup lines and bars is not going to make me happy in life. But maybe this Rich Dad Poor Dad book will, you know, is the, the key. And then, oh, you know what? That was cool. But, you know, maybe this four-hour work week book is, is going to teach me something. And then that really kind of led me down a path where accidentally I ended up in Thailand and I found scuba diving. And that was the first time ever in my life where I was like, you know what? None of that other stuff mattered. You know, the things I thought mattered, you know, really cool clothes, going to clubs, just, you know, impressing other people. That wasn't it. What makes me happy is nature, animals, seeing new places, eating different food, you know, the variety of life and getting to know cultures. And ever since I found that, I was like, you know what, this is what I want. And now when I travel, it's, it's, that's, that's why I do it. You know, I don't do it just to put a cool photo on Instagram. I'll take a cool photo and also put it on Instagram to share it, but that really isn't the reason. The reason why I go to these random places is because this is the one life we have to live. And there was a huge chance I never would have experienced it. But because I was lucky and fortunate enough to have found it, I don't want to give it up. That's amazing. And now that you're at a point where you're really financially stable and you can afford to travel anywhere in the world for as long as you want and have the you know any experiences that you choose what is your current choice in terms of travel cadence in terms of lifestyle design how much do you travel how long do you stay how are you you know now that resources are no longer a a, a challenge as they were when you were first in thailand and could only afford to live in thailand now that you can afford to live anywhere and, and travel the world what how are you choosing to design your lifestyle 
one thing that that I heard is a good quote is, you know, you can technically afford most things, but you cannot afford everything. Nobody can. So even though I have enough where if I wanted to, I could go to more expensive places like Paris or London or to these kind of hotspots. If I go there and I, and I stay in a five-star hotel or even just like a nice hotel, it would either make me have to work more or be able to travel shorter or not have enough money for future savings or be able to give to my parents to help them out. You know, So what I really like doing is, at least for now, and things might change, is I like to travel on kind of like a medium to low budget where as long as something makes me happy, I don't care how much it costs. And the better the value is, usually the happier it makes me, right? So when I go to a country like Poland or to Ukraine or to Thailand or to Sri Lanka, Nepal, and things are just cheap anyways, and I'm 100% happy, then that's, that's what I do. So for now, what I do is I like to go places for usually two or three months at a time to really get to know a place, to settle down, to live a little bit like a local. I like to travel carry-on only, like you're a big fan of as well. You've kind of mastered. Uh, just to kind of free up my life. And if anything, I still, I still feel like I have too much stuff. Then from there, I want to take little side trips and kind of explore destinations. Like, for example, when I go to Ukraine, my goal is to stay there for three months learn Russian, but then take little side trips on the weekends to like Georgia or to Kazakhstan or something that's kind of close by or to Belarus and have kind of a little bit of stability while still having that adventure. Awesome. The other thing I want to definitely make sure that we talk about is the Nomad Summit, which is yet another thing that you do and are really, really known for founding and building the Nomad Summit up to over 400 people per year that come to Chiang Mai to attend it in January. I was super honored to be one of the speakers in 2018, and that's how you and I really got to know each other well and connect. And it was just, you know, that was actually my first time in Chiang Mai, which was amazing because my first time in Chiang Mai, I walk in. I speak at the Nomad Summit. I was just blown away by how well and how professionally organized it was. I mean, you personally, you know, had us, you know, submit our our speeches way in advance. You had us personally do a full run through rehearsal. I mean, it, you know, so the whole speaker organization was top flight. And then the entire event organization in terms of these experience and the whole thing, it was just a completely professional operation. And it was amazing for me because of course, then I got on stage in front of 400 people, did my talk, everybody knew who I was. And of course, then all of a sudden I, you know, I, I, I'd never been to Chiang Mai before. And now I had 400, you know, basically new friends that wanted to hang out and go to lunch and you know all this kind of stuff so it was just it was really 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 a very special experience for me and both Chiang Mai and the Nomad Summit are kind of merged for me now you know in terms of how how fantastic that was but I know you've been continuing to build and expand the Nomad Summit and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and where you're taking it now yeah so the reason why I love doing the Nomad Summit is exactly what you mentioned you know it's a a reason for people to go to Chiang Mai every single year to reconnect with old friends, to see the city again, to enjoy amazing Thai food, the great weather in January, and to meet other people in person who you know go to these events. The biggest difference between just being a virtual nomad online and you know hanging out in Facebook groups or in Reddit or on YouTube comments is for whatever reason, like online people are often very negative. There's a lot of you know trolls on there. There's a lot of people who say things, you know, don't work or the digital nomad lifestyle isn't obtainable. While you go to a live event in person, especially a paid event, and you realize that 95% of people are very successful. They're very happy. They're very positive, very optimistic, very open. And they're like, this is the world I want to be in. I want to be in the real world and not just in the digital world, even though we are working online as digital nomads. So I like these groups to connect people, to stay in touch with people, but the live events are really refreshing. And this is why I go to the Nomad Cruise every year. This is why I host the Nomad Summit. It's because I want people to get together with other like-minded people and be successful, learn from the best, learn from people who are already successful. I mean, everybody who spoke at the last Nomad Summit was making over $100,000 in profit online. And to be able to learn from a dozen people who, you know, through the keynotes and then the workshops, who are that successful and be able to have access to them and meet them, it's really inspiring for people who are just starting out. Yeah, and I think it's really significant too what you mentioned about the Nomad ecosystem in terms of these recurring events and things like that, because you and I will 
see each other multiple times a year. You and I have now been on two Nomad cruises together, right? Which is somewhere between 200 and 500 people on a boat that goes somewhere. It's basically like a business conference on a boat for nomads with people doing talks and workshops and presentations on things ranging from entrepreneurship, the travel hacks, the different stuff. You did a presentation on passive income. On this last one, I did a presentation on minimalist packing strategies and how to travel the world with carry-on luggage. And you know, it's all of that kind of stuff, but it's great because you get to see people. You know, you and I see each other multiple times a year now because we are in this sort of nomad ecosystem where we go to these events and we know lots of other people at these events, but we're also meeting tons of new people at these events, which is totally amazing. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, like at the end of the day, it's a fun way to meet other like-minded people, you know, especially if you're from somewhere where there's not that many people who dream about traveling the world, working online and being an entrepreneur, come to one of these events, come to Cancun this October. It's going to be the weekend of October 12th, the Nomad Summit Cancun, then stay for a week, two weeks or a month after because we're going to head down to Playa del Carmen to co-work, to basically live in this new nomad hotspot, eat tacos, drink tequilas, go scuba diving, do all this cool stuff. And then come join us again in January. It's going to be the weekend of January 18th in Chiang Mai. And you're going to meet, you know, 400 plus digital nomads that either wanted to go to Chiang Mai, you know, go back every year or just use it as an excuse to start their kind of nomad journey. Yeah. And I think it's really great for both wherever you are on the spectrum or continuum. Like I've been traveling the world now and running my business full time since 2013 as a full-time itinerant nomad. I've lived in 51 countries, I think now, just since 2013 and with no permanent base, right? But then at these events, there's also a lot of people that I will meet that are trying to get into the nomad lifestyle. And it's exactly what you said, Johnny, which is that a lot of people, they're normally in their regular life surrounded by people that don't do this. They've never heard of anyone that does this. And they will oftentimes say that either you can't do it, you shouldn't do it or something like that. And so to get into a space where you're surrounded by hundreds of people who are not only encouraging that you can and should do this if you want to, but they have also done it. And there are a lot of different paths to how you can do it from whatever your standpoint is. Yeah, definitely. So I highly encourage every single person to put it on their calendars to the to-do list go to these live events because i promise it changes your life it's another world it's a gateway to real friendships real business relationships and like a real opportunity to be able to, to live work and travel unlike anyone else so you're now doing two nomad summits a year one of them is the original one which continues to happen every single year in january in chiang mai and then you're doing an additional one in the fall every year, which is somewhere outside of Thailand. Yeah, and this year we're choosing Cancun, Mexico because it's right next to Playa del Carmen, uh, but Cancun has the airport, has the bigger hotels, and I love Mexican food. I love Mexican culture. I love the weather. I like the beaches. I want to scuba dive there. I want to travel there, and so many other nomads have said the same, but we never really have a time or a reason to go to Mexico. So hopefully the Nomad Summit is going to be the reason why we all go there. And then we can see, hey, maybe this is the next Chiang Mai, but with great Mexican food and a, a nice beach. <laughs> That's awesome. And then what I love about the format, too, of the Nomad Summit is it was literally a two-day event. Like the actual Nomad Summit is just a two-day event. And so it was a day of speakers and content and networking and conf- indoor conference. And then the second day was basically a DJ pool party for like the entire day, which was just totally amazing. So it's just a two-day event with those two pieces. But then after that, this last year in Thailand, you guys went and did an extended meetup for anybody that wanted to stay and hang out and basically build community, right? Yeah. So you know, we took trips to the, the waterfalls. We uh, all hopped on a plane down to one of the islands to go scuba diving, to go walk dogs on the beach, to spend days on the boat. It was really fun, you know, and I really encourage everyone to stay a week or two, you know, even a month after. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, really quick way to arrive somewhere where you literally know no one and to have an immediate community of fun, interesting people that want to hang out and do interesting things. So that's awesome. We're going to link up in the show notes to the direct link where you can get all the information about the Nomad Summits and get tickets for that if you want to go check check the dates and get all the details on that. So that'll all be at themaverickshow.com in the show notes. And Johnny, at this point, are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. The lightning round. 
All right. What is one book that has really influenced you over the years that you would recommend to people? Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki on the mindset of buying assets and not buying liabilities. Awesome. What is one app or productivity tool that you're currently using that you'd recommend? The best app is just to go into your notification settings on your iPhone or your Android and turning off all notifications. So that way you're not getting pinged every time someone you know, likes your Instagram photo or sends you a message on Messenger. Turn all that off and that way you can just focus and be present. So the best productivity app is the lack of a productivity app. If you could have dinner with one person, public figure, author, celebrity, someone that's currently living today that you've never met and it's just you and that person for an extended three-hour dinner conversation, who would you pick and why? I'd want to have a private dinner with Donald Trump and just ask him, hey, man, are you, are you being serious or are you just trolling all of this? <laughs> That's a really good answer, man. I have not heard that one before. Awesome. All right. If you could go back to when you were 18 years old and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice knowing everything that you know now, what advice would you give to 18-year-old Johnny? Mm, it's hard to say because I'm very happy with who I am today, with my friends, you know, the people in my life, what I've accomplished. And a lot of that has been because it's been a rough journey. And I don't know if it was easier if I would still be the same person today. But if I was going to give that 18-year-old Johnny some advice, it would be don't try and impress others. Really just be yourself because you're good enough. And I think this is a good advice for, for everyone out there is you guys are good enough the way you are. Accept yourself, love yourself today, but keep striving to be better because we can all be better as well. That's awesome. All right, last question. I want to close it out with, of all the places that you have been, there are still a lot of places in this world that you have never been. What is currently at the top of your bucket list, places you've never been that you most want to go? One or two places. So the travel destinations is going to be the country of Georgia and also Kazakhstan. But then my top kind of adventure destinations, I want to go scuba diving in Raja Ampat and then in the Galapagos. Awesome, man. Amazing. Well, Johnny, I want you to let people know how they can get a hold of you, read your blog, listen to the podcast, find out more about your everything that you're up to. Where do they go? Yeah, it's been super fun. Uh, the easiest thing is to subscribe to both the Travel Like a Boss podcast as well as the Invest Like a Boss podcast since you guys obviously like this in the podcast. Uh, if you want to know more about me, either read one of my two books, Life Changes Quick or 12 Weeks in Thailand, or just read my blog, johnnyfd.com. And I hope to see all of you at the next live event. Go to nomadsummit.com. You can get tickets there, or you can sign up for the email list for the next event. Awesome. Johnny, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure, my man. All right. You too. It's been fun. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on real estate investing for digital nomads? How to buy U.S. rental properties from anywhere in the world and finance an epic international lifestyle? Just go to themaverickshow.com slash nomad. The report is totally free and available for you now at themaverickshow.com forward slash nomad. Do you want to learn how to travel the world for a year plus with carry-on luggage only and look good while you're doing it? Go to themaverickshow.com slash packing to see a free recorded webinar and learn exactly how Matt does it. He shows you the luggage he uses, the specific items he packs, and the travel brands he likes most. Even if you're just looking to go on shorter trips, but pack more efficiently and eliminate your checked luggage, you won't want to miss this. You can watch the free recorded webinar at themaverickshow.com forward slash packing.